Welcome to Foothill Christian American Canyons podcast. We hope that this message encourages you and blesses you. Well, I'm going to begin today. I'm going to speak to you on the topic is worship in spirit and in truth. Worship in spirit and in truth. Amen? Uh, first of all, we want to welcome our guests today and uh, I don't want to put them on the spot, but I, I have a friend here that's joining us today. Give a big hand to Xavier today. He's joining us here today. I've known him for quite a few years. It's good to see him today. Proud of him uh, for being here today. Um, so I want to tell you a story. Um, when I first met Anna in 1993, November 10th, but who's counting? Um, I met Anna at church on a Wednesday night. You can look that up on the calendar, October, October 10th, 93, was a Wednesday. I met her at church. Great place to meet your future spouse. Can I get an amen? I didn't hear you loud enough. Can I get an amen? Amen for all you single people out there. And uh, she was the beautiful woman I would later marry. At that moment, I didn't know it, but we had a date right after church, and it went on for three hours. It really wasn't a date. It was getting together for coffee because I didn't know if I wanted to date her. She didn't know if she wanted to date this stranger. And, but we had coffee for three hours afterwards, and it was like I had known her for all of my life. We connected right away. We had what you would call instant chemistry, amen, where you connect with each other right away. And we had our official first date, I believe, a week later uh, in San Francisco. Remember that, honey? Remember that? Yeah, so do I. But it was not until I got to spend time with her and got to know her that I could truly say I loved her. You know, it, they have this expression of love at first sight. Now, I believe that can happen, but for most of us, it happens over a process of time, of connecting with one another. So as I got to know her, our love grew and matured and eventually um, eight months, nine months later, we got married. Got married on July 30th of 1994. It'll be 28 years this July. Can you believe it? 28 years, yes. Give her a big hand for putting up with me. So over the years, that love has grown, has matured, and as we have revealed ourselves to each other, you know, there's nobody that knows you better than your spouse. You, your parents may know you, but your spouse knows the real you, the one that burps, that makes all kinds of noises, amen? The one that does foul things that you don't appreciate, the one that leaves the lid up, right? And, and on and on and on. And that's because we become transparent with each other. We get to know each other over time. And she has revealed who she is to me, and I have revealed who I am to her, and here we are almost 28 years later, still together, amen. And I say that to say this, the same way, it's the same way with our relationship with God Almighty. We cannot truly love God or worship Him until He first reveals Himself to us. Now, how does He reveal Himself to us? Through His Word. If you never read His Word, you'll never get to know God Almighty. Can I get an amen? He reveals his, his way, his, himself through his word and through worship. You see, some of the closest times I've had with God are not only reading his word, I'm learning about his character, about God's character, who he is, 
what he expects of me. But I, I'll tell you what popped up on my Facebook memories. If you have Facebook, there's memories that pop up every now and then. And one popped up for me from nine years ago, eight, whenever it was, when I was in Israel. And I, w- I remember it like it was yesterday. I was sitting on the Sea of Galilee, sitting on the shore. I got up early so I could catch the sunrise on the Sea of Galilee. And I was by myself. And I don't know, it was like 6 o'clock in the morning. And I just sat there and I was praying. And the scene was just beautiful. Crystal clear blue sky. The Sea of Galilee, calm as glass, the sea. And then there was birds flying in the air. And I'm praying, having some devotions there. But just the impact that Jesus Christ walked on these waters. Jesus Christ lived in this area. I'll tell you what, as I worshiped, He was revealing himself to me. In that moment, that was probably one of the closest experiences where I've experienced God Almighty by myself, worshiping God with me and a bunch of birds and water. You know, it it didn't matter that it was in Israel. It could happen here at the Napa River. It could happen at the lake. It could happen anywhere. It's where you decide to worship God. Amen? God wants us to worship him in spirit and in truth. Amen. How many believe that? Amen. I want to tell you this today. Worship matters. Worship matters to God, and worship should matter to you. Listen to the words of uh, Pastor John MacArthur. He's a very well-known man of God. Regarding worship, he said the following, Worship is our innermost being responding with praise for all that God is through our attitudes, our actions, our thoughts, and words based on the truth of God as He has revealed Himself. That is what worship is. But I'm not done yet. He goes on to say, worship, by the way, is not music. Okay, can we just get that clear? Worship is not music. You can hear music anywhere. This was beautiful worship that we, we uh, were a part of right now. But let me explain what I mean. Worship is loving God. Worship is honoring God. Worship is knowing who God is. Adoring Him, obeying Him, proclaiming Him as a way of life. And music is one of the ways that we worship Him. But music in itself is not worship. Just because you play an instrument doesn't mean you're worshiping God. You have to, it has to become a way of life with you. It has to become, like David was a psalmist, King David, he played the harp. You know, he worshiped before God with all of his heart. And so music, again, is one way we express that adoration. It could be by just sitting at the seaside and worshiping God for creation. It's what I love to see when I go to Yosemite, one of the most beautiful places in the world. How many would agree? And you just see the majesty of God. It's like a a jewel to behold, what he left you and I to, to live and see and partake in. You see, God created this world for his own glory so that he would receive worship. He wants you and I to worship him. Amen? Because I, I will tell you this, you and I are going to worship something. I promise you, you will worship something. It may not be God Almighty, but you will worship something. God is seeking worshipers who will bring him glory, not just for an hour on Sunday, 
but 24-7, 365, and as I like to say, 366 on a leap year. Amen? We can't properly worship God on Sundays if we're not properly worshiping Him Monday through Saturday. You just can't turn a switch on. It's in you or it's not. And so that's what I want to focus on today. Lord, teach us to grow in that process every day with our words, our deeds. Amen? So worship is a lifestyle. Say that with me. Worship is a lifestyle. How many like to ski? Anybody here like to ski? Okay, there's some skiers. How many like to play baseball or used to like to play baseball? Yeah, there's a few of us here. How many like to golf? Any golfers in here? Yeah, there's a few, and some of your husbands I know like to golf. And uh, those are all great, wonderful things. It's a lifestyle. That can become a lifestyle. God wants you to have the lifestyle of worshiping Him. It's a lifestyle. I'm going to have you turn to John chapter 4. It'll be up on the screen. But our sermon text for today is found in John chapter 4. And I'm going to start in verse 7. And I'm reading out of the New International Version, the NIV. Listen to what, what takes place here with Jesus and this Samaritan woman. Verse 7. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, You're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. In verse 10, Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, and did also his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. And he told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Verse 21, Woman, Jesus replied, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. And the woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. 
When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Amen? There's a lot going on there, but I really want to focus on the latter part where Jesus, in verse 24, he declares that God is spirit, and they that, must, they that worship him must worship him in the spirit and in truth. I want to focus on those words today. My question for you here this afternoon is, what did Jesus mean by worshiping the Father in the Spirit and in truth? What did he mean by that? It's a great question. When he, when he posed that, he declared that true worshipers, and let me just say this, when he said true worshipers, he's implying that there are untrue worshipers. You see, not everything that you see or that declares that God is involved is of God. Can I just tell you that right now? Not everything you see is of God. The Bible says test the spirits. Test it. Make sure that it comes from the Word of God. Find out for yourself. Amen? So here, let me just tell you real quick. Jesus wasn't referring to corporate worship in the sanctuary when he spoke about worshiping in spirit and in truth. He spoke, and what he was referring to was a lifestyle of worship. A lifestyle, that means doing it the, the time you go out from here to the time you go back home to the time you're at Walmart. I know it's hard to be godly in Walmart. Can I get an amen? For those of you that don't know, I pick on Walmart all the time. Jesus was talking about this lifestyle of worship aided by the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in us to, to do almost anything as a believer, to overcome, overcome sin, because if you haven't figured it out by now, you can't do it on your own. You just can't do it by yourself. It's not going to happen. You need the power of the Holy Spirit, and you need the power of the Holy Spirit in worship. That's when God will truly reveal himself to you. So, again, why did Jesus emphasize on worshiping in spirit and truth? And I think the simple answer, actually, I believe the simple answer is this. In the Old Testament, how many remember all the laws, the do's and the don'ts in the Old Testament? If you don't remember, just go back to the book of Leviticus and begin to read all the laws of how many uh, doves and how many sheep and goats were supposed to be sacrificed and brought to the temple or brought to the tabernacle and sacrificed by the priest. But in the Old Testament, animal sacrifices were a way of worship. That's how they worshiped. And unfortunately, with those times, sacrifices became a ritual and a religious tradition. Can I just say that's dangerous right there? When you come into church because it's a ritual, when you come to church because it's a tradition, or when you come to church because that's what my parents did, and that's what their parents did, and that's what their parents did, don't come to church because it's a ritual or a tradition is what I'm trying to tell you and what the Lord is wanting us to do. He wants us to have a, a lifestyle of worship. Let it be your lifestyle. So when you're at work, they know you're a believer. They know that they can come to you, and, and if they need prayer, you can pray for them right there on the spot. Um, that's the most beautiful thing. Can I just tell you that? When someone can confide in you at work, I have that fortunate ability. I have an office, private office. Believe me, they know I'm a pastor at work, so I have counseling sessions set up. I have people that come over 
And it's always in confidence. Can I, just, can I just tell you this? Can I tell you what's going on? And I said, shut the door. And so they sit down, and then they begin to tell me all the stuff. And they know I'm just going to hear them because it's just right there. It doesn't go anywhere beyond that. But they want to know that I can pray for them. And that's what I tell them. I'm, I, before they leave, I, I always pray for them. And I pray for them. Can you do that at your workplace? Can people come up to you because you have adopted this lifestyle of worship and just pray for your coworker, your neighbor, your friend, the one that rolls out the garbage tomorrow? Maybe they need prayer. Maybe you should just ask them, is there anything I can pray for you about? You'd be amazed at what the answers might be. Amen? And so here's the problem with that tradition a lot of believers nowadays, in our, especially in our culture here, they live contrary to God's will Monday through Saturday, and then on Sunday, they turn on the, the church button. They, they turn on the church switch. They put on the church clothes. They put on their church attitude. They listen to K-Love or whatever program they're listening to. But it's not that way Monday through Saturday because it's only a tradition with them. There's no connection. There's no lifestyle. So I want to look at what Paul said regarding worship. And I think this will help us understand to better worship the Lord. In fact, if you'll turn to Romans chapter 12, we'll have this on the screen as well. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Paul here is explaining how to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. And he gives us some steps to follow him. In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, and it says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world. Everybody say conformed. But be transformed, everybody say transformed, by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Paul is here giving us insight on how to better worship the Lord. First of all, and I have just a few quick points for you today, first one would be dedication. Say dedication with me. Dedication. Now when you hear that word, when you say that word, you know what it means to you. You know, it means sold out. It means there ain't no turning back. Dedication. It means you're all, all in. You've put all your chips in. It means dedication. Kind of what a marriage is supposed to look like. Amen? And, and kind of like our love for God. It's supposed to be dedication. The Lord's, or Paul said here, Present your bodies as a sacrifice. This is out of the NASB version. And he says, alive, holy, and pleasing to God. If we can leave that scripture up. In Greek, let me just share with you this word for present. The Greek word is peristemi, which means to yield. It means giving up your right and saying, Lord, what is your will? What is your will? And yielding our bodies for the service of God, 
out of free will instead of obligation, instead of tradition, instead of ritual. Well, I'm doing this because my parents did it. I'm doing it because my family's always... No. God wants you to do it from free will. He wants you to be here out of your free will. And I believe every one of you are here because of your own free will. Amen. So for, for a believer... This becomes a form of spiritual service. When we yield ourselves to God, that's our spiritual service. It's also called our spiritual worship when we yield. Those are the most intimate times with the Lord when you yield. Because you can't, you, you got to put your phone away. You, you got to turn off social media. You got to get by yourself. And you just got to yield and say, Lord, have your way right now. It's just you and me right now here in this place. You know what I'm going through. You know what I'm facing. And it's just you and me. But can I just tell you right now that you mean everything? You are my God. You're my Lord, my Savior. And begin to yield to him and express yourself what, what he means to you. And as you do that, as you reveal your heart to him, he reveals himself to you and he draws you in. Those are going to be the most intimate moments you and I will ever have with God when you begin to yield. So how do we apply this? How do we apply this? So here's another little story. When I was, when I was a young kid, I went to Catholic school. I went to Catholic school for about five years, four years, uh, fourth grade, and then my parents pulled us out. Um, they got mad at the nuns. Can you believe that? But I attended Catholic school. And the nuns wore what was called a habit. Have you heard that term before? The habit was their black and white outfit that they had on, traditional nun garb outfit, and it's called a habit. And it described their clothing. And this alternate definition of the word clothing is a nun's habit. And the habit, again, is what the nun wears. It's what covers her. It's what identifies her. When The minute you see a nun, you recognize that's a nun. As believers, our habit is Jesus Christ. Our clothing is Jesus Christ. We put on Jesus Christ the moment we get up. We don't take them off when we go here or there. We, we put them on every day, all day, 24-7, 365. We wear Jesus Christ. We wear him into every moment. And when we live this reality, we worship Christ because it becomes our lifestyle. Amen. So dedication is applying that lifestyle every day of your life. The second thing I would tell you is insulation. Everybody say insulation. The scripture said, if we can put that scripture back up, the one we just read, there you go. Uh, how about, let's go to verse uh, 3, verse 2 and 3. Can we put up the next couple verses? Did I give you those? Okay, I didn't give you those. I'm sorry. Let me read that to you. It says here in verse 2, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I want to focus on do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Let me give you an example. I have here in my hand a yellow wire. You're looking at a yellow wire. The, ye the yellow is the insulation, okay? 
This is just a piece of cord that I had. Actually, accidentally cut it off with my hedger a while back, and I've had it. Um, and so don't do that. But the insulation on the outside is to protect what's on the inside. What's on the inside, if you've never done this, but you can repair these, which I did. But this is what's typically on the inside, is three wires. Your ground and, and, and the, the black and white wires right here. And so uh, the ones that give you the power. And so these are protected by the insulation on the outside. If this didn't have insulation, <clears throat> these wires then would be exposed to something that would possibly prevent them excuse me, from functioning correctly. And so, therefore, it needs insulation to protect it so it functions the way it's designed to. Does that make sense? You and I, I'll throw that over there, you and I need to be insulated from this world because this world right now, I'll tell you what, the devil wants to seek, kill, and destroy you and your family. And you know that. He'll use, any, he'll use your weaknesses, and he knows your weakness. But you and I need to be conformed not to this world, but to Jesus Christ. Amen? The world will continually press Christians to conform to its values. And that's why when I referred earlier, you will worship something. The world will have you worship its values its ways, if you don't choose God Almighty, you know, you're going to worship something. So we must be careful with that. So how do we do that? And I believe James chapter 4, verse 7, gives us a big help in this. You should have this underlined in your Bible if you have this. One verse, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil. Say that with me. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. You know why the devil doesn't flee from you? You know why the demons don't flee from you? Because you're not resisting them. You're not fighting them. You know the best way to get rid of a bully, and every guy knows this that's ever been picked on, or maybe you were a bully, but the best way to, to, to beat off a bully is to stand up to him. Once you stand up to a bully, they don't bother you ever again. They don't ever bother you. You've got to resist them. But if you don't resist them, He's going to continue to give you a problem. Amen? Amen. How many are thankful that uh, God protects us? Amen. That God is our insulation. Amen? Amen. So that's our insulation. Our power, our willpower and the grace of God is the insulation that really shields us from the enemy and from this world. And then the third and final point would be transformation. Say transformation. Again, referring to that verse 3, and I'll read it again. It said this, um, actually in verse 2 it says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let me just stop there. How many as born-again believers think differently than you used to think before? Right? And I would hope so. If not, we got to come and have you come up here. And Pastor Rick needs to lay hands on you and uh, pray for you. Amen? There has to be a, a difference in your way of thinking. Because 
it's clear. The Bible says you have not yet been renewed in your mind. You have not yet been transformed in your mind if you're not at that point yet. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Let me continue here. I've lost my place here. Here's, here's what it says about transformation. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The word transformed here in the Greek the word means metamorphosis. That's where we get our word metamorphosis. It's essentially describing the caterpillar metamorphing into a butterfly. Amen? Going from an ugly bug to a beautiful, beautiful winged creature of God. How many love butterflies? They're so beautiful. That is a metamorphosis. It's the process of transforming from one thing to another. When you and I became born-again believers, we transformed into something. Otherwise, you're not a born-again believer if nothing got transformed. Can I just tell you that right now? Our minds are continually exposed to the sins of this world, to the values of this world, and because of that, it has a direct impact on our behaviors. But that's why we need our minds renewed. That's why you need to read the Word of God every day. The values of this world will dictate to you and tell you how to raise your kids, how to um, love your spouse, how to uh, treat others. Uh, the values of the world will tell you that. And it's so important to read the Word of God so that you can be transformed in your mind and in your spirit. Amen? So... How do we renew our minds? Well, dedication and insulation, the first two points I made, they cause a state of God consciousness in us. We're aware. I did this thing years ago, and maybe some of you remember, but we did this thing where every hour on the hour, a little timer would go off. And we would just, it would reground us, redirect us, and focus on the Lord and, and say a quick prayer right there, a quick 30-second prayer. Every hour on the hour, and of course we turned it off for when we went to bed, but as we were awake, every hour, and it helped us, the exercise, the point of that was to, to focus on God throughout the day, because I know when we go to work, we get caught up in, in our work, we get caught up in whatever we're doing, and this helped us stay God-focused. If you ever want to stay God-focused, I would encourage you to do something like that. Every hour on the hour, set a timer to, to ground you back, and that gives you that appropriate outlook. Amen? So that's how we can become aware of God's presence throughout the day. But regarding transformation, here's what I know about transformation. It's a, it's a process of trial and error throughout your life. We're, we're never transformed completely into the final finished product until we get to heaven. All of us right now are what, what I refer to as a WIP, W-I-P, a work in progress. Every single one of you are a work in progress. None of you have arrived. I haven't arrived. None of you are perfect. So as I often tell you, we're imperfect people in an imperfect world. We all fall short. Amen? And don't let anybody tell you that they have arrived. If they do, run the other way. Don't just walk, but run the other way. Don't give up when you fail. Can I get an amen? Because we're human. We will fail. We will make mistakes. But we pick ourselves back up. And we start marching. 
to the, to the correct me. That's part of worship. It's when we pick ourselves up and begin to do the right thing. That's part of worship. See, what matters is going to God in repentance and asking the, the Holy Spirit to help you not to repeat those same mistakes. Then, as the Scripture said, you will, you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. The Holy Spirit, when we do that, the Holy Spirit helps to change, helps to change our behaviors when we do that, when we yield to God, when we begin to sacrifice to Him, worship. He changes our behaviors. How many are thankful that they are not the old person they once were? I know I am. I'm so thankful. There's a scripture. I was reading it this morning as I was reading um, my Bible verses, not related to my sermon, but in Proverbs 27, verse 19, the scripture says this, As water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. And that's deep right there. We can all look at water. If you've ever been to a lake, river of water, and you can see your reflection staring right back at you. But I love what the Word of God says here. One's life reflects the heart. So what's your life reflecting right now? What is your life reflecting? Is it reflecting worship? Is it reflecting a yielded life to God? That's what I would ask you this afternoon. In closing today, in Romans 12.1, again, Paul said, in view of God's mercy. Did you know that the, the Greek word used here for mercy speaks of God's desire to save people? In His mercy, He will give you the strength to maintain a lifestyle of worship. There's, there's an interesting contrast here. Let me, let me explain. In our natural minds, we tend to think, excuse me, that we need to do something, that we need to pray more, that we need to sacrifice more, that we need to be more holy, that we need to be more righteous in order to obtain mercy. And it took me years to figure that out. But the Bible truth teaches us this, that divine mercy is given to us for free from God Almighty. Amen? And it provides the basis for salvation, His mercy. It's not about doing, it's about yielding. Are you yielded? As you yield, you will begin to do the things out of your heart. They won't be ritual. They won't be tradition. They won't feel like obligations. Amen? You should, you should be going, it's Sunday, I get to go to church. It should never, ever be, it's Sunday. Oh, man, I have to go to church today. No, God forbid, amen? Amen. I've never said that. I've never thought that as a pastor. Okay. Before, maybe. But um, God worked on me. What I've seen again in my life is that those that have been forgiven much also know how to worship much. Amen? Those that have been forgiven much know how to worship much. They will worship in spirit and in truth very easily. Learn to practice these principles every day, will you? Join me in doing those every day, learning to practice these principles, not just on Sundays, 
But I'm talking about Monday through Saturday. Some people lift their hands in worship. But I want to tell you this, and I want to warn you this. If your lifestyle is not a lifestyle of worship, when you do that, it becomes an abomination before God. When you are not living the lifestyle that God wants you to do, and you begin to lift your hands up, God wants you to get yourself right first. He wants you to get your act together first, amen, before you ever present a gift to him, amen. Stand with me this afternoon as we get ready to close. If I can have Bianca and Raquel come up. <clears throat> Here's what I, I would share with you today. I promise you, each of you, that you will experience God's presence in a mighty way when we worship together and even by yourself. Like I was there at the Sea of Galilee, just experiencing God by myself. But are you yielding? Are you wanting to give everything to God is what I would challenge you today. Are you saying... Lord, I'm yours. I'm yours from, from this moment on. I'm yours. Do with, with me as you would. See fit. Have your way in my life, Lord. That's the prayer that needs to be prayed. Have your way in my life. Don't let me be the stumbling block. Get me out of the way, Lord, because I want to bring you glory. I want to bring you honor. Do you receive that today? Do you want to have that? as your lifestyle today. I would ask you today, if there's anybody here that wants prayer here, and I'm going to pray first before you come up. If, if you want to have prayer, come on up. But I believe today we need, to, we need to say a prayer. There may be somebody here today that wants to renew their life before God, renew their commitment. I would just invite you right now to bow your heads with me. Lord, speak to us right now. We worship you, Lord. You are God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and we worship you, Lord. We call upon your name today. Oh, God, speak to us here today. But I want to say a prayer today with your heads bowed that if you're here today and you're seeking God, and you want to begin again and give him a commitment again, if you want to renew that commitment again to him, I would encourage you to say this prayer. I would like for you to repeat this prayer with me, but mean it with all of your heart. Pray it with all of your heart. Let's all pray together this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come before you right now. I am a sinner. And I need you right now. I confess my need for a Savior. I know you went to the cross for me. You died and rose again on the third day. All for me. I receive you today. I renew my commitment to you today. And I thank you for what you've done the cross and in my life. In Jesus' name I pray. With your heads bowed still, 
Just raise your hands if that was you, if you prayed that prayer today. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, I see your hands. Thank you, Jesus. You can put your hands down. Thank you, Lord. Oh, God, we love you. And again, as we play this song right now, we're going to worship as we close. But if you want prayer, Pastor Rick wants to pray for you. Just come on up to the altar. I don't want you to leave yet today unless if, you, if there's a pressing thing that you want prayer for today. Just come forward right now, and I will pray for you. But let's worship the Lord right now. Thanks for listening. For more information, be sure to check out our Facebook page at Foothill Christian American Canyon.